Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda to Dork and Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha, featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel, and a choice of petrol, diesel, or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Late Lunch on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. I want you to have a little listen to this for me, please. Yes, that's Miss Kate Bush. And for certain generations, you'll remember that song going back to 1985. It was a big hit and she was a superstar, still is, made her way back a few years ago. But that song, and she has received a real shot in the arm because you may not know, you may know that this week it's number two in the UK charts. But for a particular reason, joining me to chat about it is a good friend of ours. He's the owner of Classified Records in Dundalk, Neil Waters. Hello, Neil. Hi, Jerry. You're, you, you know the story here with this, don't you? Uh, and it's, it's something else, isn't it? Uh, these stars of yesteryear are getting a whole new lease of life, Neil. Yeah, the hype is real. Um, it's sort of the old world clashing with the new, nearly, because I think that hit wasn't even our biggest ever song. You know, mm. Withering Heights might be our biggest hit. And I, I quickly checked it this morning, and that song in 1985 got to the UK charts number three yes. and number 30 in America. Now, it's doing better now, mm. purely because of the digital age and the world we live in. Um, obviously, that song was chosen for Stranger Things soundtrack. And music in a soundtrack or a movie can, uh, you know, really reflect the atmosphere of a show. Yes. It's very, very powerful medium in, in a, a visual context. And it allows a song like this come out of the woodwork and get a brand new lease of life. <laughs> Does it turn into pounds, shillings and pence for the artist and perhaps yeah. for you, Neil? Do, do people come looking for vinyl in this? Well, again, that's hype. You know, we, we <laughs> hype is a great thing or a terrible thing, whichever way you look at it. It's either real or not real. But yes. it's probably a little bit of both. We have to create hype here without being too sort of cynical about things but the obvious it's you know we don't um, you know when somebody dies people are looking for a record yes. when, when something gets reissued there's an interest like Queen is the obvious example when uh, Bohemian Rhapsody movie came out what three or four years ago mm. we would have been steadily selling Queen's greatest hits but as, since that movie I think that's probably our biggest selling record in the last three years Isn't that, that would be a global else? trend around the world because mm. of that movie Elton John tried it two years ago and if I remember, I think Nirvana, there was a Nirvana movie that was out about six or seven years ago, and we had not taken Nirvana records. So it is a constant uh, event when something gets shown on a soundtrack, it gets seen in a slightly different light, hence the interest in it. Yes, Stranger Things, yeah. Netflix, of course, yeah. and the soundtrack along with it has propelled Kate. And she is, you're right, she's at number two, higher than she was yeah. when she was originally released. Just tell me a little bit about this, and listeners, please. You know the way uh, chart position is dictated by physical sales, mm. but now streaming is involved, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it is. I Yeah, it it looks like, you know, the charts have always been crooked in terms of people paying off radio stations and <laughs> yeah. agents and labels. Yes. And I don't think that'll ever come out to the fore because it's a huge 
Uh, it's almost like uh, doping in, in sports. Mm. People just don't want to talk about it. Mm. But, you know, we've moved away from the charts now as, as a society. And it seems rather dated to say, oh, it was a top 10 hit. But look, we all grew up talking like that. That's how you measured something. Yes. So with streaming now, it's a little bit hard to track down. Obviously, there ain't no CD sales. Mm. How do you count downloads? Yes. So, uh, yeah, like... You know, when something gets... Uh, TikTok is a big thing, this uh, medium of TikTok. I, again, I don't use it, but I'm aware of it, mm. in that there was a big hit a couple of years ago, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. There was a guy in the skateboard drinking a bottle of... I don't That's know, right. That's right. Or something. And it went huge <laughs> to the point where Fleetwood Mac, Mick Fleetwood, laughed about this, just like Kate Bush has. And I think every artist that had a song on a, a record like this secretly obviously wishes that they got in under the wing of the hype and had their song re-enter into the charts. Some of these people probably don't need the money, but from a variety point of view, it must be a great laugh. <laughs> and they must be sitting on a beach somewhere, or somewhere. enjoying yeah. their lives and thinking, the tills are rolling again or <laughs> clanking again. Here comes the money. But you're right, the TikTok medium where, yeah. you know, somebody or a group of people adopt a song from yesteryear, yeah. put it up there, goes viral, and then there's a new audience coming to it. Isn't that it? Brand really? new lease of life, yeah. Yes. I mean, even in the first Stranger Things, we've sold Stranger Things, it was it season four now, and it... Um, the first two seasons, what there was a record, season one and two. And if you remember, the kid were singing "Should I Stay or Should I Go" by mm. the Clash, mm. and like you know, Duran Duran were on that soundtrack, Bon Jovi, the Police, and they probably all wish they got Kate Bushed. <laughs> of course, and and you know the Fleetwood Mac one you said. Not alone, Mick Fleetwood and the crew are creaming it. There was a cover version. You may be aware of this, uh, uh, issued by somebody, and that went mad as well. Yeah. And they made money out of it. You know. Yeah. Again, hype, Jerry. It's yes. like a cloud, or it's like a wave. Sorry, it's like a surfer's wave. Yes. You get on it, you ride it, and then it crashes and it breaks, and there's another one for somebody else. And some of the prominent ones: Boney M, Rasputin. Oh, there's a song. For you. DJ Majestic, I think in Australia, remixed that thing. Right. Uh, I think it was in 2021. And again, another one that went mad. The BG Staying Alive, Tina Turner. She's my uh, featured soundtrack this week, actually, on the show. All getting another run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, like a good movie is just a good movie. And a good song or a good artist is still that. Like David Bowie is a good example in that, you know, you can't be relevant your whole lifetime. Yes, his his popularity waned just before he died, and probably in the late nineties and the noughties when he got sort of overtaken, and then you know he became super cool again. Yeah, Leonard Cohen was the same. Even say someone like Prince, you you come off the high of the Prince's sort of glory years, and then you know he passes away, and then there's this sort of um, reawakening of of love for him. Mm. So that's just a constant in life. You see it with actors, you see it with sports people. Yeah. And music's exactly the same. I, you know, it's certainly in the digital age, Jerry, where we're all connected so deeply now in the matrix, if that's the word for it, through, you know, a myriad of devices and updates and logins and check-ins. It's very easy. Sorry, it's very hard not to notice when something's trending. Yes. And everybody in their peripheral has seen this Kate Bush thing. And maybe some people are trying to work out why. I guess that's why you have me here today. <laughs> get to the bottom of it we'll do the best we can well it's yeah. great and long may it continue because the TikTok generation are helping you as well and people are coming in and the whole vinyl thing and looking for it again it's yeah. great I'm delighted for you Neil I really am because you. you're getting a little kick from it and well deserved as well classified open into the weekend just to let people know in Dundalk you're there and uh, give you a shout and you look after them wherever they're looking for we'll do our best Jerry. thank you well before you go let's have a, a listen to this and you can introduce it. Have a listen, Neil. Come on, tell them what it is. That's Rick Astley. <laughs> it certainly is. Another man who's reborn. Thank you so much for joining me Thank today, you, Neil. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.
I just love that song. And it's another of those that thanks to TikTok has received a new lease of life. Isn't it fantastic? Yes. What goes round comes round. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Wednesday afternoon. Welcome to the show. If you're just joining us, don't forget the LMFM app. Download it to your smart device. You can listen to us anytime or anywhere in the world. Coming up next on the show, we're joined by a young woman who travelled the world with our family. Yes, she did. 32 countries in 18 months. Is back home in Ireland now. And listen to this. Every weekend, she's off on our travels somewhere in Ireland. Gillian Harvey with us next. 32 countries in 18 months with two young children in tow. Back in Ireland now. And she's visited, I take it, nearly every county in Ireland because every weekend she's off somewhere. And she has a wonderful presence on Instagram called Where Are We Going Tomorrow Travel? And I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch this afternoon, Gillian Harvey. Hello, Gillian. Hi, how are you? I'm very good. I love your Instagram presence, I have to say. And I want to tell people, you have some wonderful tips there at the moment for travel and packing with children. You should check her out. Where are we going tomorrow travel? It's on Instagram. Take a look at it. Well, thank you for joining me. Will you take me back? You lived in Australia yourself and your good man for seven years. When did you leave Ireland first? Um, We left Ireland in 2011. Right. Um, just to kind of go over for a one-year working visa. I'm sure we ended up staying on, uh, getting sponsored, and now we have fittings and ships over in Australia. Very good, as you do. Sure, it gets yeah. in and in. Yeah. And, and you love the place. Great country. Uh, great country, but we knew we wanted to raise our family back here in Ireland when we were ready to go to school. Okay, so that, yeah, very organised, very clear plan, I have to say. So, But before you come back to Ireland, you undertake this unbelievable trip. Yeah, we, we set off first, kind of, we were going to take it month by month. We never really had a plan in place and we just kind of went with the flow and see see where we ended up, hence the page, where are we going tomorrow, travel. We <laughs> never really knew where we were going. Um, and we ended up, yeah, travelling all across the world to five different continents. It was, yeah, it was a pretty amazing trip. A once-in-a-lifetime trip. And we did it while the kids were young. Yes. And, you know, you saw, like you really saw most of this planet when you talk about 32 countries, all the continents in, in 18 months. I'm going to put you on the spot now. If you were to go back to one of those places, not Australia, uh, somewhere else you've been, where yeah. would it be? Pick one for me. Go on. Pick one. New Zealand is pretty incredible. Really? Yeah. Yeah. New Zealand is really good. We did uh, three weeks in a camper van all around the two different islands. Yes. Um, yeah, that was pretty good. I would go back there. It's like an adventure holiday type of thing. Glaciers, mm. lots of different things to do. Isn't that interesting? Just the neighbouring country to Australia where you lived yeah. as well. Yeah. But uh, fascinating. Thank you for telling me that. So there's a pointer for listeners today. If you're ever thinking recommended by a woman who knows the world for sure. Now, look, you came back here just pre-pandemic. As you said, uh, you wanted your children educated here. But this didn't stop you. I know the pandemic put the, the clappers on all of us. But tell us about you. Is it true that you do head off every weekend? We do. We do head off most weekends. Um, now coming into the busy summer season, we're due to head off nearly every weekend and for weeks on end because I work um, school year round. So yeah. I have the summer off. So we'll be having off on loads of different adventures. So, um, yeah, we head off every weekend when we can um, to all the different things. We're very fortunate tourism boards in Ireland and that have gotten in touch and want their county shown and uh, showcased on our channel. So, we're really fortunate with that way, being able to see so many places. Okay. And do you just hop in the car? Uh, you said you, you had a camper van in New Zealand. Is it by car and you go somewhere? Is it hotels? Is it B&Bs? Is it campsites? What is it? It's a bit of a mixture of everything. We kind of, we've done it all kind of up camping. Yes, yeah, so camper van trips. We did a camper van trip last year with retro camper vans um, and we did Waterford all there for three weeks so that was pretty good getting out and exploring because then you can just kind of go anywhere whenever you want you're not set in one place Mm. and then if we do go places we don't stay around too long because we like going out exploring and seeing all different places My God your children are so lucky what ages are they now? So Sophie is eight and Chloe is five and they're really, really good. They've been travelling since they were six months old, back and forth from Australia to Ireland, visiting <laughs> family. So they've been, they've been well accustomed to it from an early age. 
You know, you mentioned travel and just back to the international for a minute and small children. People get phased, you know, with children in general when they have to, you know, go long haul or, or, or stuff like that. Should they be? Should, should Is it something you can prepare for? And there's a bit, as the tips I mentioned there you have on your Instagram at the moment. If you If you follow those, will you be all right? You will be all right. It's just be the parents half of the time. The kids do, don't just be a bother. The parents are kind of hype it up in their heads, thinking the worst. But the kids really do take it, you know, in their stride. And yeah, if you follow the tips and the tricks, you do, it makes for an easier flight. Mm. And uh, Ireland is your focus now. Have you been to every county? Uh, not quite every county. Nearly. We're, we're, we're nearly there. Yeah. Good on you. What about Loudmead, where we sit today? Any memories of, of either county? We do. We we visited Meath a good bit. Loud is one that we have to get to and um, okay. explore more of. But we we've done Trim Castle, Cosby Farm, Tato Park, all the likes of all that adventure things with the kids. Okay, so the Wee County is still on your doorstep yeah. uh, to be done, and plenty to be done there for sure. What what do you make? You know of the current situation. You're obviously well switched into this with accommodation being at a premium. The the whole price push upwards. What what's your your view on all of this? Yeah, things have obviously got skyrocketed at the moment, but there is deals to be got out there. And um, I do share deals on my page as well, you know, and I sometimes get discounts from hotels and packages for families just to make that a little bit easier for families. But yeah, it is a hard one at the moment because prices have gone a bit crazy. Mm. And and it's it's part and parcel of of the times we're living in as, as well. What about our weather? It's lovely at the moment, and uh, well, especially here along the east coast. Uh, as you go further north, unfortunately, these few days uh, into Donegal, Ulster, etc., you're going to have rain and difficult conditions. Does weather body? No, no. We just pack for all weathers. Um, we just you know, have a bag in the car ready with spare clothes and welly boots and raincoats and all that. So we just kind of go out in all weathers. We don't really, it doesn't let it affect us. And what about eating out as well, which is another expense? Or do you eat in, do you self-cater, or do you cook for yourselves? What do you do? Yeah, um, it's like that, it's a mix. Like we wouldn't eat out, if we go on holiday, we wouldn't eat out for breakfast, lunch and dinner because, you know, the, mm. the cost would add up way too quick. So maybe if we kind of kind of have cereal bars or fruit and yogurt for breakfast, then we might go for you know a late lunch and then you know kind of just do kind of one big one big eating out a day. You can't beat a late lunch. You're on a no. late lunch with me today. <laughs> you can't beat it. It's number one. <laughs> but uh, in, in Irish terms as well, we know, like you, you mentioned loud me, and, you know, uh, the nearer the church, the further from God. I often say that. We don't appreciate perhaps in loud and me how much we have to offer. You know, when you live somewhere, it's on your, you know what I'm getting at, uh, Gillian? Yeah, that's it. it. During the pandemic, we obviously were stuck in our county, so we explored more. And then, like, when we moved over to Australia, um, all those years ago, we never explored Ireland before that. But now we're home. We're kind of, you know, only realising how, like, what good things we have right on our doorstep. And mm. um, to explore, there's so much to be seen. And, and you mean, and that's right across the country, because you know, at times the focus is the southwest of Ireland. Everybody, and when the tourists come in, oh, we got to do Kerry, uh, the west of Ireland, Connemara, that type of thing. The northwest, the beauty as well. But you're saying. If there's something if you if you look closely enough and go and explore there's something in every county for everybody there is there's something in every county and I do have a list on my page of things to do in each county broken down so mm. family friendly things on each county to do I'm sure the list has got at least 30 things on each one of them Terrific. That's a, you're very good because people, you know yourself, it's great to get pointers from someone who's been there and experienced it as well. I'll ask you the, the second leg of the first question I asked you about the world and you said New Zealand. Favourite Irish county, favourite Irish place you've been? Um, has to be Mayo and Mount Falcon Estate. Oh. It's beautiful. So it's our third year going back there this year and yeah, it's just nothing like it out of this world. So that has to be our favourite isn't that interesting? Great fishing. I'm an angler myself. Yeah. Mount Falcon. Oh, there's wonderful fishing there. Yeah, lots of fishing. We did some fly fishing last year um, with the team down there. And there's just so much to do in the estate itself. Mm, there you go. And a beautiful part of the world. Mayo has so much to offer as it well. Yeah. But it's all around. So your message today is, uh, you know, check check you out. Just remind them again of your, your presence online. Um, where are we going tomorrow travel? 
I love it. Where are we going tomorrow? And don't leave it till the day after. Go tomorrow because yeah. grasp the opportunity. You're fantastic. Love what you're doing. And thank you for joining me on the show today, Gillian. No worries. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Gillian Harvey there. What a woman. So travelled internationally and here in Ireland. Lots to do in every county in the country. When I tell you that my next guest is one of the most familiar women on Irish TV and that she's coming to for the Hinterland Festival of Literature and Arts that's happening between June 23rd and 26th next week. I'm truly delighted to say hello to Eileen Dunn. Hello, Eileen. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Well, you're coming to Kells, Eileen, for a very special reason, and it's to do with your dad. Don't I remember him well, Mick, uh, GAA correspondent and more besides on RTE for years. Tell our listeners the story behind uh, what's happening in Kells. Okay, well, as well as being um, working for the Irish Press and then being RTE's first Gaelic Games correspondent, Daddy, along with three other journalists, Paddy Downey, John D. Hickey and Corey Purcell, in 1971 founded the All-Star Scheme. And Daddy was secretary of it for 25 years. And anyone who knew him will remember him as a very meticulous man and a great record keeper. And a lot of his archive has gone into the GAA Museum. But we discovered at home a box full of all the files and photographs and scrapbooks and memorabilia from the All-Stars, from his 25 years as secretary and all those All-Star trips. And we knew the 50th anniversary was coming up. We were saying, what are we going to do with this? And somebody said, why don't you, myself and my sister Myra, why don't you two do something with it? So we decided to write a book based, starting with that stuff and then working out and interviewing All-Stars and other stakeholders. And last November, we produced All-Star Gazing, a history of 50, the first 50 years of the All-Star Scheme. Oh, fantastic. So you came across this by accident and now you have a whole story around it. You, your dad founded uh, the All-Stars. It was a group of journalists, wasn't it, back in 71? That's it, yeah. Himself and John D. Hickey, Porrick Purcell and Paddy Downey. And they had been thinking about it and talking about it and tried to get a scheme up and running in the 60s but couldn't get proper sponsorship and ended up doing it themselves one year. They just wanted, Daddy sort of got the idea from the MVP, the players in America and stuff like that. So to honour and recognise the contribution of individual players. But in 1970-71, attitudes were beginning to change in the GA too. We had the McNamee Report, which was going to allow sponsorship for the first time. So they approached Carol's, and Carol's were at that time sponsoring golf and tennis in Ireland. They were anxious to get involved with the GA. They all went to the GA, got their approval, and then they were up and running. Okay, so that that's the the genesis of the whole thing. And my God, ever since it's become such a staple in the GA calendar and really a recognition of the best of the best. Because today, Eileen, you have to say, God, it's covered it, isn't it, to be uh, named an all star. Is, yeah. And I mean, we were wondering because obviously in the early days it was new, it was exciting, it involved a trip to the States. A lot of guys that went on those trips had never been on a plane before, never mind be in America. Um, so it, it was a whole, there was an aura about the whole thing. In fairness to Carol's and the GAA, it was the first, the first Carol's banquet in 1971 was the first black tie event in the history of the GAA. So, you know, they brought a whole glamour, they brought the whole GAA to a different level. Um, so we were wondering then, you know, talking to the contemporary players, the younger guys, would it mean as much? But it does because they're building on the legacy. They've seen their heroes go before them and have two, three, four all-stars. So they're saying, well, I'm, I'm, I can get one or I want to get one or, you know, so they, they have a different attitude to it, but it still means an awful lot to them. And of course, they travel the world. You talk about places like San Francisco, Toronto, to Australia and everywhere. And, and for guys as well, Eileen, that, you know, they were opponents on the, on the field of play, but they never probably spent a lot of time in their company if they weren't from the same county. It enabled great friendships and more to develop. Absolutely. And that's the point that they all make that they, you know, and, and even now there are fewer and fewer opportunities again, though some of them will say that they 
they meet in college and they might play or even live together. We had Michael Murphy and Paul Flynn shared a house at one stage and they were winning All-Irelands and All-Stars between them for Dublin and Donegal. A lot of them would say that, that it gave them a chance to get to know, even Paddy Keenan, the loud All-Star, he talks about going on the trip in 2010. James McCartan was the manager of the All-Star team. There were a lot of Down and Carlo, uh, Down and um, Cork players on it. Cork won it in 2010. Um, but they all mixed. They had, Paddy says they had a delay in Dubai. So by the time they got to Kuala Lumpur, which is where the trip went that year, they were already friends. They were already bonding and, and getting on well with each other. And you mentioned something there, the great Paddy Keenan from Louth, of course. Louth, the county, you know, who've been uh, really in uh, the lower divisions, never challenged much for, you know, national titles uh, since they won the Blimmin thing way back in 1957. Now, we won't mention the, the Leinster thing at all, but you know what I'm getting at? A county like Louth that, yeah. you know, Paddy Keenan winning an All-Star was a huge thing. And that's what it sure. does as well, doesn't it? Afford the lesser counties, great players, the opportunity to be acknowledged. Yes, it does. And now you'd have to say less so nowadays. It seems to, you know, gather around. There are fewer Mm. counties represented on the team. But certainly in the early days, they made the effort to make sure that some of those guys were included. Let's say like Dermot Early from Roscommon, who never won in All-Ireland, but he has All-Stars, you know. Yes. Um, People like that. that they, they And then if, because the All-Ireland champions used to travel with the All-Stars, so... If a member of the All-Ireland winning team was an All-Star, he was obviously going to play for his county in America, so he'd have to be replaced. And the replacements were very often fellas from the lesser counties, for want of a better word, even though they're not. But you know what I mean? That they wouldn't be winning All-Stars or winning um, All-Ireland. Yes, yes. Now, for, for yourself, uh, that so just you're coming to Kells. I want to remind people again: Sunday, the twenty sixth of June, two p.m. in the Kells Theatre. And do check out Hinterland because the lineup is absolutely fantastic. Info at Hinterland, unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, it's great. And, and and we have a colleague of yours, Marty's joining me, Marty Morrissey, here on the show next week. Looking forward to chatting to him. But info at Hinterland.ie, the Book Market Cafe in Kells. You can drop in there, or I'll give the number now while we're talking: zero eight three. 0969345 that's 0830969345 on a personal note Eileen Eileen sure we're all very sad you've announced you're leaving us we won't see you at 9 o'clock each evening from uh, April of next year well yeah well I'll be 65 next year so you know my options are running out so but you know um there you go I'm I'm 42 years in the organization so I think I've I've done my time you certainly have more than done. Your time is right. Are you, you're winding down, are you? At the minute, you're not full throttle on every night. Are you? Are you stepping back a little? No. Well, no. For the last, no, not necessarily. But for the last couple, of weeks, we've been working a week on, week off basis. Right. Um, all the reporters work seven day fortnight. It's kind of your shift is compressed more. Um, so the days you're on, you're on. If you know what I mean. Yes. And then, so, but it works. It worked through COVID, so that it meant we had one team in and one team out mm. and we've continued that now so we do week on week off myself and Sharon Yvonne oh. so that's how we're doing it ah good. good well yeah we thought it was part you know the way in some places uh, you, you step the days down as you head towards the day that you're yeah. going to say goodbye but thanks for explaining that to us tell us in, in your time and you look at look I look at all the stories you've covered my god almighty yeah. um can you, can you, can you, you know, if you were asked, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to be asked as many times coming to April next year, to maybe recall one more than most, or there's probably too many, is there, to, to focus on one? Well, probably, I suppose, the two stand out. I think, for, professionally, for me, um, the run-up to the Good Friday Agreement, because we had what we call these rolling bulletins, where you go on the air, you just don't know what's going to happen, basically. Uh, and one thing feeds off another. And I was only beginning to really do that kind of studio anchoring mm. of those type of rolling bulletins. Brian Dobson used to do most of them, but he was in Belfast and I was in Dublin. So I was kind of brought into the studio. And I kind of, you know, I was totally engrossed in it and sort of felt I have this crack now. You know, I can. Nor, when you start out, you probably remember yourself, you're going to go into that studio and ask three questions. Mm. And it doesn't matter what answer you get back, you're going to ask those three questions. <laughs> yes. And I, suddenly in the middle of all of that, it dawned on me, I can think and speak at the same time. <laughs> I can pick up on something and follow it through, you know. 
and so professionally and then Bosnia was going on at the same time Paul Cunningham was out there so you'd have to turn around and switch your brain in a completely different direction mm. so all of that but probably the story that had the greatest impact on me personally was Dunblane oh. the killing in the school in Dunblane yes because my own son had was only a few months old at the time and it just affected me in a way that a story like that had never affected me before because now I was a mother Yes. Oh, my God, we'll never forget that. It was just one of those. And of course, you're reminded it again, uh, again and again in the States at the minute, especially with the recent uh, shocking massacre near Houston in Texas as well. And, 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 uh, you know, that whole scene. And I can imagine being a mum and having a a child yourself, how that would really get in you. And that that leads me into something else. You know, when when you're reporting and, and you bring us the news, there is so much bad news in the world, and especially today, Eileen. Does it ever get to you? Sometimes. You know, I mean, I think that one, and I think some of the Ethiopian coverage. I remember I was presenting with Eamon Lawler at one stage, and we kind of came back. There was some tragedy, and we kind of came back in the next day, and we thought, oh, God, if we to face all this again, you know. Mm. You don't react so much when you're in the studio, because you're kind of a little bit on automatic pilot, though I hope you would be, one, would be empathetic all the time, that you wouldn't be too stony-faced. Um, but at the same time, I would say you should never know, obviously, if it's a tragedy, that's one thing, but politically, you should never know how I feel about the story mm. because I'm just a messenger. I'm not there to opine. Um, but of course, you are affected. And I mean, you, you react outside. You react when you're off air. Yes. You know? Yes, indeed, indeed. The other big question I'm sure many people are hanging and waiting for me to ask, the outfits and how you look. Yeah, what about them? (laughs) (laughs) You're not skipping this one now. Come on, let's talk seriously about this. All the girls want to know, and the boys too, of course, Eileen. You know, and and you know more and more now when you see the different way uh, our main news uh, is presented, the setup in the studio where you see more of you. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so obviously I, we get help. Some of our some of our clothing is subsidised, so it goes through wardrobe. So I have Catherine Manning is my stylist, for want of a better word. She looks after me wardrobe, and we know each other so well at this stage. She knows what I'll wear and what I won't wear. So I was slightly concerned when we moved to the new studio, and I was now going to have to stand up. And all the the younger girls like Katrina and and uh, Sharon Tobin and those, they were all wearing these bodycon really tight dresses. So I said, lads, no way. I'm not doing it. I'm 60. I'm not 30 anymore. So Catherine came up with this kind of smart trouser suit look for me, which I think kind of works. And I feel very comfortable. So that's, I, I do wear the odd dress, but not the very tight ones, as I say. <laughs> You look ama- you, you look amazing, may I say, uh, each time you appear. And credit to all uh, that's involved with you. Your dad, Mick, I'll go back to him before we finish. I remember him well. He was a legendary man when it came to reporting, and especially his associations with the GA and these all-stars, of course. Was it sort of inevitable you were nearly going to follow him, you know, in, in, in the path he took? I do, yeah, I don't know about that. We certainly, I would have travelled around with him a lot. We all, we have two sisters. We all did. We used to go up to Matt. He liked to have somebody with him. So if it wasn't Mam, he liked one of us to go and sort of do notes for him and things like that when he was doing commentary. So we were certainly very involved in it. He would. Now, neither of my sisters are in, except Myra wrote the book with me, obviously, but she's in HR and she has her own company. And my other sister is a stewardess in the US. So they took completely different routes. But I started out, I wanted to be a teacher, um, but I always did kind of public speaking and a bit of singing and stuff like that. So I was never afraid of going on a stage or standing up to speak, So I, uh, debating and stuff like that. So I suppose that helped. And I was actually in France teaching in 1979, the beginning of 1979, there was a big postal strike here. And there was an ad in the paper for radio announcers, RTE radio announcers. And Daddy said, you should apply for this. And he sent me a form over to France. But because of the postal strike, he filled one out here in case mine didn't make it back. And I reckon he got me the audition because he put in every medal, every fetch, every everything I was ever in was on that application form. Of course, I wouldn't remember that. You know. 
<laughs> Good man, make fair juice, yeah. And wasn't yeah. that a, yeah. a really great move? Oh, God, I remember that poster strike myself. It looked like it would never, actually never end. So there there you go. In you went and the rest is history all these years later. Well, look, at you have loads to talk about, I yeah. want to say again, at the Hinterland Festival. And you are appearing on stage on Sunday, June 26, 2pm in the Kells Theatre. Not to be missed, all-star gazing, 50 years of the GAA All-Stars. Eileen, thank you so much for joining me today. It would be a perfect Father's Day present and it's available at allstargazing.ie. Thank you very much indeed. Take care of yourself, Eileen. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jerry. See you all in Kells. Bye-bye. 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 Allstargazing.ie. Yes, that book is available and as you might have missed it there, Eileen was saying a perfect gift for Father's Day. Uh, the uh, man in your life, your dad, and check it out there. Again, Hinterland happening the 23rd to the 26th of June in Kells. Info at hinterland.ie. The Book Market Cafe is sort of the hub of things going on there. Give them a shout and the number if you want to uh, call and make arrangements to go to some of the wonderful events. 083-096-9345. That's 083-096-9345. Vanessa Carlton, a thousand miles. Gillian Harvey, who was with us earlier on, certainly travelled more than a thousand, thousands and thousands of miles round the world and Ireland as well. Just reminding you to check out the Back Garden Festival, all the biggest festival favourites on one stream. Listen on the LMFM app and at lmfm.ie. Thanks to Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. Marty Morrissey is coming to the TLT with his Marty Party Variety Show on Friday, June 24th. Joining him, Tommy Fleming. Guests are also including Paul Harrington and Charlie McGettigan of Eurovision fame, Sandy Kelly, Drada Male Voice Choir, Drada Brass Band and more besides. Uh, raffles on the night, prizes, crack galore. Tickets are available from the TLT box office or online, the TLT.ie. I have a pair of tickets for the Marty Party to give away on late lunch today. All you have to do is WhatsApp or text me to 086 658 and Put the following three letters in your text or WhatsApp. TLT, TLT to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text and we'll pick somebody for a pair of tickets to see Marty's with us next week on Late Lunch. Louise, I'm sure you'll be delighted to hear this news. And I think all ladies will. Uh, it's the end for the flat tyre, Louise. It's over. No more flat tyres on your car. Are you no happy? Punctures. Are you happy? No punctures. No punctures. Of course. For all ladies. Of course. And men. For all ladies out there. For all ladies out there. What? (laughs) What? And men. And men, you're right as well. We do do struggle with... Don't tell me. You can change a flat tyre in 90 seconds flat. No. it takes a little (laughs) bit of time, but I can. But it takes a little bit of time. And what about the new thing now where you... Um, have to fill the tyre in the newer yes, cars. Yes, you do. You either put a, a you have a tube of stuff in the boot and you put it into it. Yep. And uh, it, it seals does it the up job. from the inside. Well, when I tell you, that's all over because Goodyear have a new tyre that they're trialling at the moment and it really is unbelievable. I've been looking at it this morning. It's the end of the rubber air filled donut that's been on the go since the 1890s by the looks of things. Uh, plastic spokes on the wheel that support a thin tread of Goodyear airless tyre. And they say this is the future now for driving. And what happens if you get a stick caught in it? It seems to be that it still goes along. It doesn't doesn't puncture or anything like that. I'm sure you'll have to change them as well, but you won't be caught out on the road, it looks like, with them. And you know today, you know them little geeky tyres that you used to put tires. on you know the geeky tyres you know what I'm talking about what's a geeky tyre that little thing that little geeky thing that you put on when you get a flat you know the way a there's a tiny little tyre in your boot now rather than you know years ago you a tyre for a tyre it was the same size you know what I'm talking about it's like a little wheelbarrow tyre that you put onto your car to get you to the next carriage <laughs> it's a geeky tyre it is a geeky tyre I promise you did you ever have to change a tyre yourself? no I wouldn't have a clue what I had a do? puncture recently and I, I called a neighbour 
<laughs> Patty came and saved me, my nice and shining armour. <laughs> or a lot of people would just drive on. A lot of people would just drive. Oh, this keep was going. flat, completely flat. Oh, yeah. I walked out of the house and it oh, was flat. Oh, listen, I've known people have driven on the metal. <laughs> I can tell you as well, not good to do. You'd have to you'd change the whole thing. But anyway, why I mentioned that is next up, of course, is Tony Conlon, our motoring man with us uh, this month, our regular. And he's certainly going to be talking about fuel consumption, conserving fuel. And we're going to talk about is the marks he's been driving and what engine type to buy in the context of rising costs. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Now, it's just the talk of the place. Every single day, petrol, diesel, up, up, up and away and no sign of a cooling off period at all. Delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch our motoring man, Tony Conlon. Hello again, Tony. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Well, delighted to have you today. Now, I know you've <coughs> spoken about this extensively from time to time in the past, Tony, but let's begin with it today and remind people of what they can do to uh, economise on fuel consumption. Yeah, there's no doubt all about it. Like we might have mentioned it before, and there's no harm getting back to the message across again and again, even to help people out there, because we're all in the same boat now with but expenses of running costs and get to work for some people going long journeys. But believe me, th- there is means of reducing the fuel. And uh, just simple little things, reduce unnecessary weight. We laughed it off last time with having the golf clubs in the boot. Well, honestly, you were better off putting them in the shed at home or the garage or whatever. They, they take up weight and weight creates uh, extra, extra fuel. Drive smoothly. And that, that means an awful lot. To drive smoothly, none of the racing. Watch the rev counter. If you have a rev counter in your car, if you're driving a small petrol car, ideally you'd like to be under 2,000 revs. If you're up to 3,000 revs, you know you're burning a lot of fuel. Keep an eye on your tyre pressure. And many, many hundreds of times have we said it down the years, how often do people check the tyre pressure? If you have low tyre pressure, your car is going to be too hard on fuel. And if it's overinflated, it's not going to be good on the road either for road hauling purposes. So you have to go by the, the, what's recommended by the manufacturer. And it's usually written inside the fuel cap or the, the book of your car, the manual of your car. Yeah. Change gear earlier and avoid revving your engine. That's another very important thing. Also, don't let the car labour. You'll be in the right gear at the right time. To turn down that stereo, and you hear the engine sound. Sometimes, Jerry, in modern cars, it's very hard to see and to hear the difference between fifth gear and sixth gear unless yes. you have a rev counter. And if you have the rev counter, you can see the revs are much lower, even sometimes from fourth gear to fifth to sixth gear. So keep in mind that you're getting used to your car, the sound of it that has in its most economical mode and gear. And the same mode, a lot of cars now have an eco mode. If you want to be fuel conscious, get it out of sport mode and put it in eco mode and take your time. Avoid using too much aircon, although a day like today, thankfully, it's a lovely day. You need a little blast over there. But also, someone could say, let down the window, and then the aerodynamics is going to be upset. And that's more fuel cost, but maybe a little bit of the window and a little bit less aircon, because it will increase fuel. Maybe something like four, four, four litres or four miles per kilometre or whatever, uh, per, per hundred kilometres, something like that, or 60 kilometres. There, there is a list there of the, the, the costing of this. Some would say combined, combined journeys, you know, work your head out there, can you save running twice or three times for, for messages or whatever. The other thing is, so many people go on holidays and come back and leave the roof boxes on the car for weeks later and roof racks for weeks later. And uh, don't do that. That's going to leave us very, very hard on fuel. Yes. And sometimes air filters. Just check with your garage. Is your car service up to date? Is all the filters clean? Because that can create problems. So an awful lot of things you can do yourself there. Even a clean car will reduce the aerodynamic factor and increase your fuel economy, Jerry. Yes, and the other thing, Tony, that's th- there's a lot of good advice there, and it's very important to repeat it at this time and remind people of those things because we can we can come blasé about them. The other thing I noticed as well and I, I know in the past we talked about a, a cartel when it came to fuel prices but there are variations from garage to garage now Tony uh, there is variations Jerry and I, like you, you, you hear about alright and the cartels I know that such things can happen <coughs> and may happen but cartel or no cartel the fact of the matter is 
we're paying astronomical prices and like okay we'll get the way now for the winter but with the heating in the houses maybe but when it comes to when it comes to winter and you're buying the oil for your house and you're heating for your house or gas for your house so I would I, I would look at the worst scenario and say if you're driving fast and believe me there's people still driving too fast definitely definitely too fast and uh, and they're wasting fuel but just think of the tax man you're, you're just making him the happiest fella in Ireland mm. by driving fast I mean not thinking economy, getting a little bit of a green brain in there into the head and thinking economy and then that's payback time and taxman and payback time and Putin and payback time and anyone that's an this. you know what I mean it's yes. just, you, the money's going to be in your wallet and it's better off there than someone else's now, let's talk about engines again, because all this is coming into play with the cost of diesel, the cost of petrol. You have the hybrids, which you talked about, the plug-in, the self-charging hybrid and the full electric, Tony. Does this spike, and if it continues, you know, turn our gaze? And it has been turning to more of the uh, more uh, the greener options, uh, etc. Will it? push people down the road, do you believe, faster towards the newer technologies? I've no doubt at all about it. It is presently possibly pushing people faster. But again, like we're not, we're not born as mathematicians and, and, and you'd have to work it out nearly with a mathematical mind as the costing of electricity and, and what you're going to get for your book here mm. and and cut your clock to your measure and know where you're going from A to B and the planning you have to put into it. I'm, I'm still, I'm going to just sit in the fence here and say, honest to God to you, Jerry, that I'm, I'm still sitting in the fence as such that my mind isn't totally made up. I think as far as for courses, I think if you take want to take a bite of the cherry, mean an EV electric vehicle, I would possibly go for a smaller one and if a second car family and try it out first but electricity is not getting any cheaper either Jerry. Mm. and our bylaws are not there and they will say there'll be more out structures and places to plug in the vehicles if you live in an apartment three or four storeys up you have a problem if you're depending on a three pin plug in your house for well it's called a granny a granny plug a, a granny charger absolutely forget about it. it's a waste of time I might just get you out of a hobble get you to the church in time or something from the house if you're living within a couple of kilometres but that's about it OK uh, the other the other aspect that's not going away from it it's interesting to see companies still offering petrol and still offering diesel and I, I drove a diesel car there recently with a mild hybrid it was the Mercedes C-Class Estate fabulous car switched on I saw nearly a thousand kilometres available for me God, it's not often you see that. And a beautiful, beautiful drive. Now, mind you, it was powerful at the same time. But the other thing about the plug-in, if I'm not wasting your time, Jerry, just tell you about the plug-in. Go ahead. The PEV, the PEV version. That, again, is people do your research. Most people now have a standard that they're able to do research and, and, and come up with their own answers. That, Tony Connell mightn't have all the answers and neither may someone else have answers for them. But do your research. And what I mean here is, there is some vehicles out there with a plug-in. If you take a diesel version, weighs so much. And you have a petrol plug-in that weighs 400 kilos. Same body, same shape, same make, same everything. But it weighs 400 kilos more. That's 16 bags of cement. Now, would you go down to your hardware and put 16 bags of cement in your car and carry that 24-7 around with you? for the rest of your days until you say, I don't think you would. No, no, you certainly wouldn't. And I I think then people need to be educated and I think it should be nearly compelled that people are educated and told what the extra weight factor has the suspensions been upgraded to allow for this weight as so many other things happened. And then the other thing they're not able to prove at the moment, I I don't think they're able to prove it anyway, is if you went out, someone said, if you buy an electric, a second-hand electric car, well, that's fine. You know the mileage will be on the clock. But the other thing that we taught, were taught at school in mechanics was yanks back. And it still stands to this day, even with mobile phones. You can overcharge. If you're using a quick charger 90% of the time, and I don't, I'm not giving the percentage just for the sake of it, Jerry, but regularly on an electric car, you're going to lessen the life of the battery. So you could buy a second-hand car, the Joe Blog has been plugging into the fast charger for maybe 90% of the time, now there's less life in that battery. Mm. Don't ask me how much, 
but there's less life in it. So there are questions. There still are many questions. And you said you really got to weigh up everything and take in a lot of factors. Talk to your dealer advice there. Make your mind up. Consult websites. Listen to guys like Tony and then make your decision. Let's talk about a couple of the marks while we have time that you've been driving recently. What about this DS7 Crossback? Uh, The hybrid plug-in. It's the French manufacturer uh, DS Automobiles. What about this one, Tony? Yes, well, I popped that into a Zico mode and I done what I said on the tin. It was a beautiful looking car. Who the hell is DS, is you? Yeah. For, for this, is DS is the swanky equivalent of what, uh, what, what DS was to Citroën. They're still Citroën, but they're, they're independent now for the last eight years. So, like yes. Lexus, what Lexus is to Toyota. Toyota, okay. Uh, and, and, and hence, they're on. It's, what I liked about them was initially, way back, there was a depreciation factor. Uh, I won't say build quality, they were always brave in, in their design and, and futuristic, and that still stands. Comfort element was huge. It was a lovely car. It was an absolutely beautiful car to drive, and it was dressed to the, to the nines, and it's special 20-inch cut diamond alloys and all. And it doesn't return 42 miles per gallon for me. That's 6.7 litres per 100 kilometre. Using the plug-in. Now, you have to use the plug-in. There's no use buying a plug-in if you're not going to use it because that's why they've done away with the grants. People weren't using them and they're not weren't, and maybe still not using them. So mine was the DS7 Crossback e tenth called the 225 with a 1.6 litre uh, petrol engine and uh, the hybrid system. But then I went out to a friend's house and he said, come on around here and I'll show you something. And he showed me a brand new DS7, beautiful navy colour car. I said to him, is it a hybrid? And with a withering look, he replied, no, it's diesel. And I love it. And that's kind of enough said on that particular. Yes, yes. So, But you love the hybrid plug-in yourself? I, it worked for me, Jerry. Yes. But you find to see the plug-in means you can get maybe 60, 70, 50 kilometres of pure electric yeah. driving by, by doing that. And that can work for people good consistent of what they actually do every day you know what I mean yes. what is their drive methods where they go on and will they use the plug-in and how much is the cost and mm. then do the equipment on it and then if you blend it in eco mode with the two the hybrid the plug-in and the, and the petrol it will work but you need the discipline ahead of you yes of course and do, do a sturdy muscle you, you, <laughs> you got to do that and you make the point as well the diesel is working for for someone else just time to cover one more do you want to go Suzuki or the 4x4 just say something to you a whole lot of new green buses electric buses now. all right okay yeah I wonder are the silent Right. I didn't hear Anton enough said that I heard the silence inside, but are the silence for the pedestrian on the streets of Dublin? Is there a nice factor with them? I'd love to hear that because a lot of money being spent. But go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, sorry. we've put in the question. Louise has put the question and we'll get an answer for that the next time you hear. You have a concern about the new electric buses, but that there is the alert system on them that people will understand they're in the vicinity when they're driving by. And we understand that from a safety point of view and we will get the answer on that. Just talk to me briefly about the little Suzuki Jimny. Well, you know, it's the best little PR gadget out there today, PR representative for Suzuki. It goes back nearly, <coughs> excuse me, to the SJ. You look at this little thing and you say, ah, my God, what can it do? Do you know what? It, it can bait the socks off any big four before. It happened to me years ago in a competition with it, with its predecessor. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I thought I pulled the short straw at a competition the Curry years ago and down where the, 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 the army used to train and everything. It is a marvellous four before. This is a little commercial because the, the, foot, the CO2 footprint was too big on the pedestrian, so they changed it into a commercial for Ireland. There's people who will love it as an advertising statement on farms. It'll be better and safer than the quad, and it's fun to drive. Fun is the word. It's like a cement block, a nine-inch cavity block on wheels, but it's fun. And good God, you don't have all this high technology we have nowadays. It's simplified, and it is cute, fun and does the job and if you want to go off road my god you won't get much better Tony leave it there for today you're so good thank you very much for joining us and we'll talk again soon very happy thank you Jerry take care yourself Tony bye bye that's Tony Conlon there eulogising the new Suzuki Jimny commercial and as he says himself a 4x4 a dynamite of a little thing to be reckoned with what a goal Nathan Collins scored for Ireland last night uh, against the Ukraine ah one of the Best Irish goals, I have to say, of all time from a young man who's the centre-half in the team, a defender, but went forward and scored the most 
brilliant goal. And uh, they were lucky not to win the game, to be honest. They had plenty of chances and might have won it, and then again might have lost it as well. But a uh, decent performance again last night and a goal to remember from Collins. I really enjoyed it. enjoyed the game, to be honest, Richard, because both teams went for the win uh, and perhaps at the end of the day a draw was, was a fair result. And the other drama, that plane standing on the... Uh, on the apron in London waiting to take uh, immigrants to Rwanda from the UK. Wasn't it something else? It couldn't take off. Challenges at the European Court and at the end of the day the numbers were dwindling. There was seven, six, five, four, three, two. Then there was nobody on the flight. I'll tell you what they should do. They should get Boris to pilot the flight and bring all of the cabinet with him and away they go to Rwanda and stay there forever. I think that's what should happen with that flight. Anyway, watch this space. People from different parts of Europe ending up in Rwanda. I don't know. I think Prince Charles was right when he questioned the whole thing, the morality of it. 100% right. There you go. Anyway, watch this space. More uh, bad news on the horizon. And I see today where people are actually switching off bad news all over the place. They just don't want to hear it anymore. They've had enough of it. And I ain't one bit surprised. Anyway, we'll mix and match here on Late Lunch. Sometimes... It's sad. A lot of the time it's happy and in between as well. And today I continue my story of Tina the musical, all about the life and times of Tina Turner. And I was telling you yesterday, so that the first part of her life up till she was almost 40 in 1976, when she finally got away from Ike, her husband, and his control and abuse. But when she went her own way, she struggled solo, uh, with record labels unwilling to take a chance on a black woman nearing 40 years of age. But then, a young Australian record producer called Roger Davis really loved her and became her manager. But on Tina's terms this time round, they looked for a record label to uh, release her songs and music. It wasn't easy. But eventually, Capitol Records realised they had a potential superstar on their hands And they really did say to Tina, name your price. Weren't they lucky as well? And she came on board with them. And as they say, the rest is history. If you go to the musical, in the second part of the show, uh, Zelma, her mother, is on death's door. And Tina goes to see her and has uh, her final uh, words with her mother. And her sister, Aline, is there as well. But her mum does pass away and they mourn her and in the show when you go to see it as they mourn their mum this song plays the movie Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome which she starred in with Mel Gibson number three in the UK two in the USA in the charts and nominated for Golden Globes and Grammy Awards a fantastic song and another one from Tina on your late lunch tomorrow afternoon Mags Hannity has won the tickets today Mags from RD for the Marty party at the TLT on the 24th of June enjoy final break this Wednesday afternoon on late lunch And when we come back, the type trail is back in Kells. It's in its 13th year, 13 years since it began. I remember the start indeed. The annual festival celebrating topography and lettering as a modern art form. I'm talking about the Kells type trail and the brains and founder and man behind it and who shakes it up year on year joins me, Mark Smith. Hello again. Hello, good afternoon. Thanks for uh, taking our call on the show today. Well, we're here now, Mark. Now, 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 now is the word of the moment, isn't it? It is. And it seems to be, it's a word that resonates with a lot of people. Like, when I first mentioned the word to the Arts Office of Mead County Council, Jared at Bailey, the first thing that came, that came out of, that resonated with her was a memory of her growing up in Dundalk and her granny bringing in a cup of tea to her father and placing it on the edge of the table and going, now for you. <laughs> and it was a case of doing something for somebody else. And it was the way the phrase was used 
in different areas of the country and how we, we use the word so much in our, in our everyday speech. We, do, we kind of forget that we use it so much, you know? Yeah, and you're right, Mark, because I even see it in here. I often use it on the air, you know, as a crutch into something. Now, you know what I mean? Coming up now. Or you'll see it on scripts that are written as well. And I know it as well in conversations through my own family over the years. It's a big word. It is, and it's so much, so well used. Like in Irish, it's a niche. And we looked at all the different languages and how the word is used in the various forms of different languages that now form our, our, our modern day society in Ireland. And it's, it's very interesting to see how other, other countries use the word. But the, um, what we have is we've got 30 different art installations that are going to pop up around the town that will stay up for six weeks and it becomes a walking trail. And it's interesting to see how different artists take that team, which is the chosen team this year award now, and how they interpret it. Like some have come out from the, act, the angle of um, your mental health and how it's all about living in the now mm. or, or other people have looked at it's always now in the, on the clock it's always now 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 is always now yes. it's always been present and then we, we have we have, an, we have designers like uh, Head of Topography from Waterford and what he's doing he's looking at how the word now was used in songs that have been ingrained in us like he, he's looked at Fat Boy Sling sing, uh, sorry Fat Boy Slim yeah. uh, right about now and he's looked at the Smiths How Soon Is Now and he's interpreted them into artworks um, it's interesting how the word pops up in, in various forms of art that, that are all around us and um it's it's you know it's been a very it seems to be a, a very successful team this year. Yeah, and you're right. You're getting the different angles on it from different art forms and different interpretations by different people because you've involved a, a lot in this as far away at Lone Institute of Technology, DKIT here in our doorstep. Artists, poets, you name it, are are all chipping into this. So, Mark, it's it's launching uh, on the twenty third. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot going on in Kells, isn't there? Next week. We're starting to re-establish it as a cultural hub within the northeast, and people, you know, in the past wouldn't have thought of Kells as that. But over the years now, with the likes of Hinterland Literary Festival and Good Gaffer International Documentary Festival and the conferences and the stuff that we've been producing in Kells, it's starting to change people's perspective on what they associate with Kells now, which mm. is a very, very, very positive thing. Oh, terrific. Now, come back to the trail again. Where does it start from? And as you mentioned, there are 30 indoor and outdoor uh, demonstrations tied in with this. Where does it begin and how long would it typically take somebody to wander around the whole lot? Well, it depends on if they're having a drink on the way or they're stopping <laughs> for a bit of food. Um, <laughs> Very important. Yeah. No, it always starts within the monastic settlement, which will be the heart of where the monks of old would have used yes. lettering as an art form, which is the, the Church of Ireland Church in the heart and middle of the town with the round tower and the crosses there. Okay. So it starts there at 7 o'clock on the 23rd. And then we have some... Um, we have the head of Topography Ireland going to speak. We have a Welsh uh, poet who's going to interpret the school in Wales we've engaged with over the last few years from a place called Flint in North Wales. And they're still in their school term, so they can't attend. Now, they have in the past, but this this Welsh poet is going to interpret their Welsh piece, which is based on um, the words uh, A-OK, which was a word that was quoted during the first moon landing, and it was created by a guy from North Wales, their area, and it became very popular in the American uh, use of language. So AOK comes from North Wales, and they've used that in the piece they've created. Um, so there's that, and then we have a musician who's going to finish us in the church, which is Robert John Ardiff, who's from Summerhill. And then we're going to go from there. Traditionally, we would have normally gone into the Salmons, which is where we would produce a lot of stuff, but that's uh, been transformed into Ireland's first centre of typographic excellence which will hold our complete Victorian printing works. Now, that will be done within the next year and a half. But we're going to be led from the church grounds by the Irish Wolfhound experience, which is a, a guy who is about 12 Irish Wolfhounds. And he's going to lead us from there down into where our temporary home for the next few years, which is the old nuns' churches and school, which is in the heart of town. So we've got the walled courtyard garden, and we'll get the scouts to put up their tents, and we'll go. that's where we're going to have our uh, reception after the launch. Great. So that's all happening from 7 o'clock yes. in the heart of Te- uh, Kells. And is, is it open invitation? 
We'll see how many we can fit in. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the size of the tent, and it'll be all to do with the now at that stage. The now is right. The now yeah. is right. Anyway, lovely to highlight for it for you again this year, and I wish you luck with it, and it's simply brilliant, and you should go, folks, and enjoy this. It's another big attraction in Kells over the coming weeks, and it'll be there for six weeks. It's going to continue. Mark, you're great. Thank you well, for joining you me. Much. Thank you very much. Please. Thank you. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Mark Smith there. Such a creative guy with his team. And uh, the type trail is back again this year in Kells. We're back tomorrow with Late Lunch from one thirty and on the show. Litter. What's the answer? You've heard Drogheda has a massive problem. Jerry Layden is joining us to talk about it. Would you be interested in learning how to dive? Go underwater. Brian Heron has an offer for late lunch listeners tomorrow and he'll tell us all about it. And Devon Hayes talks to us about our lovely son, Aaron. Eddie Caffrey's coming next. We leave you today in the company of George Ezra. See you Thursday. Tiger Lily moved to the city. She just turned 21. And then I said, here's my number. Hit me up if you're needing anyone. And then I could be anyone, 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 anyone for you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha, featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel and a choice of petrol, diesel or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.